Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Yurich, um, the host of the 1000 Hours Outside uh, podcast and founder of 1000 Hours Outside. And I am here today with a real life comedian. This is exciting. And author of a book that I enjoyed tremendously. Pam Labley, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So let me let me read a little bit of your bio. You started your career as a comedic actress. This is fantastic. You're the first comedic actress I've ever talked to. You performed your material in clubs and theaters all over New York City. You've written several plays. Humor columns have appeared in newspapers and online. And you're the author of two books, Better Living Through Chaos. Um, you definitely know you're a mom win. And then this book, this new, newer book, Why Can't We Just Play?, what I did when I realized my kids were way too busy. And Pam, you never know what to expect when someone pops you a book in the mail. But I I thoroughly enjoy I mean, I laughed. I was snorting. I was crying. I'm not even a crier. This book is truly one of the best I've ever read. It's so relatable. It's so funny. You hit on so many of the key parts of motherhood that I think all of us are struggling with. So way to go. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's like the best thing really that that I could hear is because when I wrote this book, I wrote it out of my own place of trying to figure things out, being frustrated, needing to laugh about, you know, all the crazy things that go on. And to know that, you know, it hits the mark and it's relatable to people is the best thing I could hope for. So. Yeah, it really does. I enjoyed it so much. In fact, I was posting about it on social media ahead of time, and I never do that. I was laughing. You know, kids thought probably thought I was so odd uh, sitting there laughing away. So, so Pam, what was your path to this book? So, um, I, you know, we we were living in New York City, like like you said. I was, you know, working in the theater and writing comedy, and but when we had kids, we wanted to live in the suburbs, and we got a house. And you know, the first few years of having kids were so great. Those years of you know preschool, I was I was working part time as a writer, but I was mostly home with them, and um, it you know it was it was great. It was everything exhausting that baby and toddler years are, as we know. But uh, then we got into the grade school years and like the engine train of activities just took over our life without really knowing it. You know, it starts so innocently where you think, well, oh, this will be it. Let's do soccer after school or my kids want to do karate. And but everything has all these time commitments. You know, karate is twice a week and you've got to progress through the belts. And then soccer is this. And, And before I knew it, we were just back to back activities. Racing around school would be ending and it would be like rush through your homework because now we have to get to the next thing. And I remember one time my husband and I like collapsed in our chairs at like 9.15 after we'd finally gotten through all the activities and the bed and the bath and the whole thing. And we just looked at each other and said, we've got to be doing something wrong. This, This doesn't feel right. But yet when you, we looked around, everybody else was doing the exact same thing. So where do you go for clarity in that situation? You know, mm. anyway, one night um, when I was, and, and keep in mind, as I'm describing this, my kids were seven and 10. They're, they're not even like, you know, I mean, they're young. Right. They're not high schoolers. School. Right. They're not high school. 
So anyway, I was tucking my oldest one in one night and um, you know how you do with like, you're taking way too long with stories and prayers and kisses. It's like going on forever. And suddenly he started crying and he said, mom, I never have time to play at 10 mm. years old. And I, I was like, what? Because I, I had thought that I was doing such a great job of giving him playtime. You know, like when I would pick them up at school, we would stay for an hour afterwards so that they could play. Like I was not that let's rush home. And, you know, they played as long as they wanted to with their friends. And then, you know, uh, they would do he wanted to do soccer. I didn't make him do soccer. He wanted to do um, band and all these things. And so uh, to hear that he didn't have time to play. First of all, I was surprised. And secondly, I felt like, OK, officially the worst mother ever, mm. like it doesn't even give year old boy enough time to play really made me consider well what is play then if mm -hmm. play isn't uh, soccer games and karate and um you know whatever then what is it and and what he was really missing was that independent free play where yeah. parents are not telling them what to do self-directed unstructured independent free play and that, you know, and I'm sure you you know, and your listeners know too, that is just being taken out of every aspect mm. of childhood days. You know, recess is 22 minutes long if they're in school, 22 minutes. Mm. And, um, and then after school, you know, many times there there's an activity. There's not, let's just go to a playground and run around. And I think the same thing is true on the weekends. So, mm. and I think every kid is different, like, I know kids who thrive with lots of structure, but mine did not. And once I realized that, like all the whining and pushback and behavior I was getting made sense because they weren't happy. They didn't want to no. get in the car and go to the next thing. They just wanted to stay home, and build a pillow fort or, yeah. or make up uh, games with their stuffed animals or, you know, like stuff that is, quote, you know, not like enriching. Ha -ha, right. In it's not class, it's right? like French class or tuba lessons <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. So anyway, at that point, I kind of reconsidered and just I gave them the whole summer off. I asked them, you know, all right, well, what do you guys think? You want to just do, do nothing all summer? And they were all over it. And wow. so, um, so that's what we did. And, you know, as you know from the book, it was not without its hurdles because, you know, when, when you decide to do that, you do face a lot of boredom. The mm -hmm. kids have that, you know, I'm bored. And what's the first thing we do when we're bored? We go whine to mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or fight with your sibling. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, so you chronicled your summer here in this book um, and, and, lovingly called it a 1950s summer, which I thought was actually fantastic. I, um, I loved all the sort of history that you wove in through there. And I had written down, I have so many notes here because I love the book so much, but one of the notes I had written down was that you had talked about, um, you know, these old, older books and magazines and sort of what, what they advice they give. And one of them was to tie an alarm clock to your child's bike or wagon, you know, so that they would know when to come back. And I thought, oh, it's so funny to think about how things used to be. Yes. One, one of the, you know, the, the um, raising kids in those days, you know, they were free range kids, like we would say mm -hmm. today. You went out 
outside and you came back when it was dark or when you were hungry or whatever. When your alarm clock and, went uh, off that your mom tied to your bike. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In many ways, it was so much easier for moms because yeah. you weren't expected to entertain your child all the time. And I, I think that's a pressure that we have. Yes. So what I what I found throughout your book, woven from beginning to end, Pam, were these feelings that parents have that I think are fairly overarching that um, that we're struggling with a lot of them. So I, that's that was one of the some of the notes I have here. So I thought maybe we could go through some of these some of these feelings, these overarching feelings. So one of the ones you talk about is fear. Um, you say. I knew we were too busy all the time. I was sick of the pace and pressure that dictated family life and the constant feeling that if you let up for one minute, your child will fall behind. That is a cardinal sin of parenting today in the middle class, letting your child fall behind. So you talk a lot about fear, about, you know, the other kids that go to John Hopkins, brainy kids, summer camp. I mean, this is funny stuff. Um, But we have this fear that our children will fall behind. So can we talk about that and, and you know, yeah. um, how did it, how did it go for you? And when, when you did have an entire summer where you sort of let your kids fall behind, quote unquote. Yeah. So um, the first thing I think that helped me do is identify that maybe that as, as real as that fear is, it's, it's also sort of um, irrational in, in many mm-hmm. ways. Like, like, what does that mean? Every kid is different. Uh, and and so to to sort of talk myself back from that fear and say, I know my kids and I'm capable of doing what's right for them. And mm-hmm. it might not look what's right for another kid or another family, but I can't let that bother me because if it does, it will automatically derail the clear vision that I have of my own child, children and family. And so, uh, but I do, and, and the thing about that, that fear, I feel like, is it just, it continually resurfaces, you yeah. know what I mean? So, so you're at a great place for your kids having a good summer, you know, whatever, three years later, you're in high school and all of a sudden, everybody else is, you know, fill in the bank, blank, playing on the varsity team, taking AP bio or, you know, whatever the, your personal things that are making you feel insecure. And then, and then the first thing we do is question ourselves. I must've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I must be doing something wrong. How come he isn't doing that or she isn't doing that? It's, it's that comparison trap. It's so hard. Yeah. I think that um, being able to look at my kids for who they were and, and our family to be able to give them what they need and also serve the family unit as a whole. Like, how are we going to be a fun, happy family in our own unique way? Mm-hmm. Uh, that helped me to calm down and ha- take the summer as it came. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, feel comfortable with, yeah, well, you know what? We're not doing that. And actually, yeah, yeah I do love that. I love that unique aspect of it. You know, there's um, with 1000 hours outside, there's over it just it just uh, breached half a million people use the hashtag 1000 hours outside on Instagram. And it just, you know, tipped over half a million of those. And and I do love that it is a unique expression of your family when you choose to sort of step out of the way that everyone else is doing it. And, and that adds to uniqueness and variety is the spice of life. And I think that is something to be prized and something to be aware of that you're providing for your for your kids and your family. Um, I think fear goes along with pressure. 
So pressure was something that came up a lot in your book too. You said, you can now excel at everything. You can have a prettier patio, six pack abs, a fresh scented sofa, a high performing retirement fund, a meaningful marriage, a dry basement, well-behaved children, and a robust gum health. (laughs) I mean, this is fantastic. But then you say, in fact, if you don't have all of these things, it's your own darn fault. You're probably just lazy. So you talk about how we have just ramped up motherhood, ramped up parenting. Where is this pressure coming from? I, I honestly don't really know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like probably a big part of it is the media because like all those things like, you know, gum health and fresh scented sofas, you know, we're fed that all the time. You know, you could be better, you could do better. And, and if you're not, what's wrong with you? Because the resources are everywhere, you know. So, uh, so there's that pressure. And then I guess, honestly, it may be just I think social media has exasperated it. When I wrote this book, there, there wasn't really a big social media presence. Um, and I think it's actually made things worse, honestly, mm. the comparison game and the feeling that, you know, we're all not measuring up. But yeah, I, and I, I think too, uh, you know, in some ways it also comes from a, uh, a place of love. You know, we just want the best for our kids. Yeah. So that's where I think that's the root of the guilt or the fear, which is like, well, am I doing the best? Because I love these crazy people so much that I would, you know, I would lie down in front of a moving train for them. So if I would do that, should I also make sure they take AP bio? Should I like it? it, Right? Yeah, yeah, it translates. So, you know, it's just it becomes a big, um, a big pressure cooker. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You talk about feeling lonely. Um, I actually loved this sentence and you, you talked about, um, a bit before we started about, about possibly doing um, an online book club, which I think is such a cool idea. Maybe you can mention that here, but you said, I often feel alone. This loneliness gets blamed on suburbia, but really I think it's just motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big statement. Uh, I think, um, one of the things that I think happens, you know, when you have a newborn, and you, you complain to your other newborn friends, oh, they're not sleeping or, you know, they're going right through their diapers. Like I need a better diaper solution or, or whatever. Everybody shares. But as your kids get older, step by step, certain things you don't want to share. It's embarrassing. Everybody else's kid is potty trained and yours still isn't. Hmm. Or everybody else is reading chapter books at by the end of first grade and yours isn't. And, you know, and so gradually maybe you don't reach out or mention things or share because you're nervous or embarrassed when actually you're probably totally in the field of normal, but now you, you know, you don't want to say it or you're worried and it gets even worse the older they get because the problems Mm. get. So, you know, if your kid is the victim of bullying or is the bully because that happens or, you know, or is having a, a bigger problem, you really don't want to say it because now yeah. you're embarrassed and also you're protecting their privacy. You know, right. I, I can remember when my, on a lighter note, my uh, oldest son was in fourth grade. I was like, does he have BO? I was like, wait, fourth graders have uh, like it need- starts earlier than you would think. It really does. And and that was like a huge surprise to me. And I remember saying to my friends after school, I was like, okay, does anybody else's kids smell? <laughs> and 
half of them were like, oh my gosh, yes. And all the moms who had older kids were like, oh yeah, stick a deodorant for fourth grade. That's where it starts, you know? Mm-hmm. So but if I, what if I had been too embarrassed to say that? What if I had been, you know, if it would have been one more little link of, of a thing or one more sort of distance between me and a community that would help me. Instead, yeah. I would be, you see? So I, I think... I think that's where a lot of the loneliness comes. And I, I think that um, the having, like you talk about having your families that you adventure with and, and your nature families. I can imagine the community in mm. that time when you see each other's kids and you recognize, you see how they're, they're crazy kids act. And you realize, yeah. oh, you know what? Kids are nuts. And that's what's great about them. That is right. what's great about them. Right. You know? Right. And it is hard. It is hard to build relationships. It's hard to carve out the time. It's hard Mm -hmm. to overlap your schedules. It's hard. There becomes a lot more layers to relationships once you become a parent and you have differing age kids. You know, if your kids are three years apart, you know, you're trying to find a family that maybe has similar boys, right? That has the same sort of thing. And, and so it's just, it's tricky. It's really tricky. And I can remember meeting, I'd, we'd like meet a family and I would think, oh, that mom is so cool. And I'm like, well, they have girls who play sports. So we'll never be friends with them because I have mm. boys who don't play sports. So, so yeah. I, I, like, I don't know how we're ever going to see each other. Right. It's kind right. of true. <laughs> yeah. There's all those layers there. So you yeah. talked a little bit about I mean, your book is so funny. It's such a bright spot. It's such a breath of fresh air. And you talked about possibly doing a Zoom book club. Uh, Tell us about that sort of dream and vision. Yeah. So my vision is that, um, you know, we can meet on Zoom, which means it can be you can be reading it from anywhere and we can read and talk and kind of share our own experiences or our own, um, you know, issues without judgment, without, um, you know, you're not, you're in safe space because nobody knows who you are in the Zoom club. Um, But also then to just have that freedom to just be honest and honestly, even to just listen to other people. You know, have you ever heard Mm -hmm. somebody else say like, my kid will not eat? Like uh, when I was listening to one of your podcasts, you said like your kids would not go to your grand, to the grandparents. that was such a great moment for me because my kids had, they didn't have that, but they would have something else, which was like, everybody's kids love grandma and grandpa. What is with my, and I would have the same thing. Like everybody's kids ate McDonald's. We, they would never eat McDonald's and we'd be <laughs> on a road trip and I would have to pack like eight hours <laughs> worth of sandwiches because they refuse to eat fast food. So it's just little things like that that make you realize there's nothing wrong with my family. Mm. Everybody has their things. And it, it, it really helps to get perspective when yeah. you hear other people say, you know, their quirks. Yeah, I would love to be a part of your Zoom book club. I think it's a fantastic idea. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops 
hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside 120. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember to sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com/outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Some of the other feelings, judged, obliged to a standard, intimidated, depressed, depressed was one. You talked about sort of being depressed and overwhelmed. Um, I liked this. It was shattering to realize how much work it would take to get the house in the kind of shape I was envisioning. So you sort of talked about being like um, the 1950s housewife and, but you don't really care if things are messy. So you're kind of climbing out of a pit, right? That's how I feel sometimes too. Um, You know, so just, just that feeling of overwhelm um, and then tired. You you got brought up a lot. I think, you know, I think it's something that's a, a misnomer. And it's actually sad. So people are going to hear this and maybe be kind of sad. But you think that as your kids get older, you'll be less tired uh, and you're waiting for that. And maybe in some sense you are. It is different when you're sleeping through the night. But it just becomes really busy. Yeah. And it also is very emotional. You know, your kids need you. And I feel like... um, this is a thing that, that we also don't really talk about. Like our society is so involved in self-actualization. Are you getting what you want? Are you fulfilled? Are you, you know, are you doing the things you want? And, mm. and we don't necessarily talk about who needs you. You know, like I, I remember mm. when um, my oldest was like two or three and my youngest uh, was a newborn and growing up and whatever. And of course, the, the, the baby is getting most of the attention because, you know, feeding and whatever. And, um, and then uh, at some point, my oldest one was acting out. And I realized that he just missed one-on-one with me. And the only way that he could get that was for me to use the one free hour a day I had, which was when my younger one was napping, mm. and totally devoted it to him. And I did yeah. it. 
and yeah. it about killed me. But but this is the thing, like, what is there to say? You're the mom and you're needed. You're, yeah. you know, and, and that's it, like, and then, but again, society is like, well, what about you? Mm. What, wasn't that your time to read a book or have a facial? Don't you need some, you know, it's just, but, but you, mm. but honestly, if you really are going to do the thing that's most important, that little adorable creature needs you. And so and I used to joke to my friends, I was like, well, there's no problem that can't be solved by me making a personal sacrifice. So whatever the problem yeah. is, if I just give something up in favor of doing for them, it'll be fine. And mm. so, and that, I bet you are experiencing the same thing because, you know, with five kids, I'm sure they just all have a different way of needing you, you know? Yeah, it is. It is this bizarre thing of, so we, um, and we homeschool too. So we're around each other yeah. a lot, but we had, we had moved, we were living in this house um, and my husband was working remotely. This is before COVID. And, and he worked in our bedroom. That was the only sort of space that we had. And there was this, um, there was this opening, like this window that went in and it was open. I, we probably could have gotten it filled in with glass, but he was like, it's too loud. I can't work up here, you know, and this was sort of his career tra trajectory. So, um, we ended up moving you know, to try and find a better fit. And, and we moved to this house that had this massive basement. I mean, it was a ranch and it had this huge basement, all these rooms and he had an office and we had play space. And I was like, this is great, Pam. I'm like, these kids are going to be playing down in the basement the whole time. And I'm going to be upstairs, you know, getting things done and cleaning. And, you know, and then they're, they're all right there, you know? And so we had read right after we moved, it was just, you know, they're just on top of you like little magnets. And and we read right after we moved that no matter how big your home is, is it 1,800 square feet? Is it 800 square feet? Is it 10,000 square feet? That the prim primarily you spend time within 400 square feet. It's because everybody wants to be, the kids want to be together. They want to be with you. And, and so, you know, that is draining. Yeah. That, and, and it's also it's also so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you say like the minute you said we had this huge basement, and I thought they'd be down. I just started laughing because I knew exactly <laughs> where we were going. And yet, yeah. who cares? Where's mom? That's where yeah, I want to be. Where's mom? And I love, I love your sentiment. You put sometimes I could not appreciate the memories I was creating at the time. I was too tired. That's so relatable. You say I figured I would enjoy them one day and be grateful for the hours I spent creating them. I was right. 100%, you know, and it, it's so true. And I still have, I have those memories and they have those memories. And, you know, the thing is you are creating a family life. As your children grow, it's your opportunity to create whatever that family life looks like for dinner, for homeschooling, for vacations, for playtime. It's all up to you, which of course is completely exhausting, but also very freeing and exciting. So, mm -hmm. um, so, but in doing that, you do, I did feel like I, I really got my, I got my investment back. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It was a hundred percent worth all the fatigue. So anyway, it was just worth whatever sacrifice that I yeah. made to have that because you don't get, and that's another theme of the book is that you're never getting their childhood back. They don't get it back and you don't get it back. So making those choices, then when you have that perspective becomes a little easier yeah. because you, and in terms of being tired, 
I'll just make this promise. Once they go to college, it is you can rest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. You just got to make it 18 years (laughs) longer if you have more than one kid. That's fantastic. Great to know, Pam. I love love it. You know what, though? And you can also maybe work in the ways that you want to work, too. I I definitely have had periods of times where I felt jealous. And this was a theme in your book, too, of jealous of other people's situations. And, um, you know, maybe they had less kids or they were able to afford daycare or these different situations. And I felt a lot of times held back. But I think the time the time comes for all of us. And and it may not be the time that you think it should be or you want it to be, but eventually the time is there and, um, and those things balance out a little bit more. They, they absolutely do. And I, I think that like one of the keys that, that has helped me to really be happy is to understanding where I am and appreciating that situation at the time, you know, like they say, bloom where you're planted. And so, and then, and now you know, my kids are basically out. One is fully adult living on his own. One just graduated college. And I, I do have a lot of time to work. And it's mm-hmm. really, it's very enjoyable. It feels yeah. fun. It feels like I waited for this and now I got it. But yeah. I also can say, but I had that amazing time. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, where I, where, like you said, I often felt jealous, like, ugh, I only had two hours to work today. Right. And I, I right. it was more. Yeah. You see these other people that are climbing the ladder and they're accomplishing things and you are not, you feel like you're not. Um, but times do change. I read, um, actually the thing that sort of shifted things for me as I had read this book, it's called, I think it's called on being there. It's about motherhood in the first three years, which are so unbelievably exhausting and draining. And it Mm -hmm. said, mothers can do it all, just not all at the same time. I was like, Oh, that's really profound. Really profound, and I, I, um, I totally subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have. I mean, I am pretty impressed with how much work you get done already. But you, you know, you have many years to do a lot of really interesting things. And another way to look at that is, when you get to that point, think how rich your your mind and your soul will be because of these years. You're going to you're going to bring so much more to any work that you do because mm-hmm. of you've just lived and experienced. And isn't that opposite, I think, of what a lot of people think, which they think, well, I've been out of the job market for 15 years. You know, what do I have to offer? But you have to offer a a hard work ethic. You have to offer flexibility, uh, a sense of humor, you know, all of these different things, multitasking. Um, There are a lot of... skills (laughs) yes for sure for (laughs) sure okay i I love this sentence um so you talk about feeling confused and unprepared so there was a story in there about how i think one of your sons or your boys had friends over and one of them had a cell phone so you Mm -hmm. say but they were younger so you said one of the friends had a cell phone so you say i hovered in the other room feeling confused and unprepared i knew there should be some rules about this but i hadn't thought a darn thing through I had filed cell phone usage in my brain under stuff to think about when they're teens and was totally adrift. (laughs) So, you know, this is, this is a theme that comes up too, that we just, we don't really know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. And I feel like things hit us. Like we always think we have more time to learn about it, but, but stuff comes at the kids and us at earlier and earlier phases 
And, and so it is really hard to be constantly prepared. Again, that's why I feel like the community of moms is so important. Mm -hmm. Because I can't, when, when things change so quickly, you can't go find a book on it. The book hasn't even been written yet. You, you need to go hang out with your mom friends and say like, what are you guys doing about cell phones? Or who did this? Or what? And, and that's when someone will say, well, we got this great, you know, blocking device, or we did this, or we have this rule. Mm. And you know what I mean? And you can, yeah. or you find out that, gosh, everybody's kid is on a cell phone way more than yours. And you can feel kind of good about it. <laughs> yeah, but, sure. But it is, I, I think, honestly, I, I still, I feel like that still happens even now through the teen years is that all of a the sudden they come home and say something like, well, I want to do this, or I already did that. And you think, what? I thought that was like something that happened later. It's <laughs> happening now. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, and then when they're driving, all of a sudden, the minute they drive, it's like, well, let's take a three hour trip somewhere. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, so you, you were scared to go around the block. Now you want to go to the beach? Like, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> so it is, I, I feel like that's a theme of, of parenting is just constantly being blindsided. And I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think it's our kids grow up so fast. Society and consumerism put so much pressure on them to grow up fast. And I definitely feel like the gatekeeper of, or I was the gatekeeper of like, let's slow it down. Yeah. Why, are we, why are we jumping to that? That, that will be there. We can, yeah. you know, we can slow down a little. Yeah. And it's interesting because in the process of slowing down, it gives them the parent a little bit more time to adjust. I mean, maybe that's even part of the reason to slow down is I can't keep up. <laughs> I can't totally keep up with the changes. Agree. Totally agree. Yeah. And I also wonder, too, if if the kids don't appreciate setting of the boundaries. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you're if you're a teen and you're supposed to be home at midnight, and you have to leave just when maybe things are getting a little out of control. Maybe that feels good. You yeah. know, sorry, guys, but I, I'll get in trouble if I don't go home now. It yeah. gives them a safe out. And, and um, I actually, you know, they complain and they hate us for those rules. But um, I honestly think it just creates a really great safe, safe space yeah. for them. I think that it shows that we care. My midwife has always said, Someday they may come back and ask, you know, why, why didn't we, you know, why didn't we strict this, restrict the screens a little bit more, you know, why didn't, why didn't we save their childhood? And so yeah. I do think about that somewhat often that, yeah. you know, in time they do get it and they understand that it was a sacrifice and understand that it was hard to possibly craft a life that looked different than most of the neighbors, but mm -hmm. um, they know that it was for them. I'll tell you something else about that. You're teaching them a powerful lesson, which is go your own way. Listen mm -hmm. to your own heart. By modeling that, because the world is full of so much conformity and pressure. Like This is like what we're talking about, is how we feel so pressured to do this or be that. And if we can model for our children, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Play to your strengths, play to your desires. And, yeah. and look, it's okay. Like things will turn out well. You don't have to be afraid of, of doing that. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was interesting because one of the things that you had talked about was that the kids were getting pressured. So they were coming home with the sheets um, 
they were coming home with the sign-up sheets. And and I do remember that as as part of school, you know, everyone's trying to sort of sell their thing. They want their program to continue or their program to be successful. I remember it very specifically with fundraisers. You know, they would come in with this huge program and you, know, you could win this and you could win this and you could win that. And so, and so you want, you know, you want to be involved. And so if this has now seeped into other areas, like you got to join this sports club and you got to join this after school activity, um, that kids, especially young kids, I think you were talking about that maybe even with your elementary schoolers that they that they're getting the the marketing pitch you know at school to join these different activities and so you're trying to teach them sort of how to sort through what yeah. do we pick what do we don't pick yeah I, I for my oldest one he wanted to do anything just because he wanted to see his friends he was extremely social and since nobody was just running around playing in the neighborhood with free play the only way to see other kids was to sign them up for activities. So that's where he got into, we got into trouble because he signed up for everything just to see friends. And yeah. so then to scale back and go, but you realize you don't really like that. That's not really fun for you. So let's just stick with the things that are fun. My younger one is not that same way. He's much more discerning just by nature. So he would just be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not, he was, he was a little easier in that way. Yeah. But yeah, the, the pressure, uh, the pressure is there. Yeah. And, and the golden age of childhood is something that sort of, um, that you talked about in there and, and other people are talking about this too, that there's this sweet spot. It's like elementary school, you know, heading into middle school maybe. And, um, and you stated a study done in Britain that said childhood ends at 11. Now, most, most parents believe that when kids reach the age of 11, they're done with toys and, you know, but you had such a good reminder that, doors close all the time that things end, you know, and, and you're through that season. And so, um, and so we don't want to rush it. We don't want to rush it. And I honestly think going back to the idea of protecting your kids from the pressure that they don't necessarily want childhood to end at 11. I, I was working in, um, uh, the elementary schools a few years ago. I, I worked as an, an aide in the classroom and one year I was in sixth grade and I overheard this girl, it was on Friday and everybody was getting their backpacks on or whatever. And she kind of like huffed and she said, I don't have any free time all weekend. I'm talking about sixth grade. She And mm. she listed her schedules. She had some ball game Friday afternoon. Then she had another different sports thing Saturday morning. Then she had a birthday party Saturday afternoon. And then Sunday she had, and I was, you know, I was just overhearing it by happenstance, but I got so sad because here she was actually complaining to a friend, like, ugh, I have such a busy weekend. And I thought to myself, does her mom know that she feels like this? Would mm. she even be able to say, would she even understand and be able to say, I need some more downtime. Yeah. I need some more free time. I don't think she could even articulate that and, and probably feels like this is what my age group does. Because if she mm. looks around, that is what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's really I, I, you know, I just think that it's up to us to keep them, you know, their childhood going as long as is appropriate for them. I love that. I love yeah. that. And you talk about what what are we really looking for? You said many of the reasons I wanted children lingering over books, laughing fits at bedtime meandering days of outside play. We never had time to make that happen because you're talking about just steering through the busyness. And, and I loved what you talked about the memories at a, at a family cabin um, that you went to year after year and 
your parents yeah. were there and um, cousins were there, that that's sort of what you were really looking for. Can you talk to us about some of those summer memories? There's a really um, sweet part of your book. And then you talked about how your dad um, got yeah. dementia as time went on. And, but, yeah. but you had such a foundation built at that, at that cabin. Yes. So we started doing like an extended family vacation when my kids were babies, basically, because we all live kind of far apart. So it was a time when we could all be in, you know, and I think a lot of families do this, you know, one big mm-hmm. house for a week, wherever. And yeah. it's a great way to connect. And I can remember, you know, talking about like comparing yourself to other people. We only get a certain amount of vacation a year. And right. so, so that's what we used ours for. You know, we weren't also going to Arizona or Disney or, you know what I mean? Mm. So, so I can remember for sometimes feeling like, oh, we're just going to do the same thing until I realized the value of that, you know, and, and as yeah. the kids got older, the relationships they had with their grandparents and their cousins that they wouldn't otherwise have had. And the, the, the feeling really of just constantly returning to that same place. It's like, you know, the wheel just keeps circling back to this place. And this year things are different. You know, yeah. last year I wasn't allowed to ride my bike alone and this year I am. And this year, and the, the whole like, just relationships that we had. And I think too, not just for the kids, but for my parents to be able to be around the kids year after year and celebrate, you know, whatever milestones they were going through. It just, like, like I said, you know, it's kind of exhausting, but you end up just creating a whole fabric of memories and relationships that can never be destroyed. Mm. And, uh, and yes, and then my dad um, got dementia and he ended, my parents ended up moving to North Carolina near where that uh, house is. My sister lives near there too. And he was, for a long time, you could take him out. He had to be in a, a live-in home, but he would go there and he would remember that. Wow. Like as his um, mind was going and a lot of things he wasn't remembering, he would walk into that house and remember and he could, you would see the recognition of, oh, that's the clock in the kitchen. And, oh, this is the same view from the deck we would see every summer. And mm-hmm. it was so amazing to have, it was like a touchstone that we could yeah. all uh, be a part of. And um, I, I'm so really so grateful for, for all that time. Like, honestly, it's such a gift for, for them and for me. Yeah. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 
and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you say such a beautiful thing about it that we only spent one or two weeks a year in that house, but its memories are as deep and permanent as anything in this world can be. Just a reminder that simple is okay. That if you choose to spend your vacation just at a house with extended family and you bike and you spend time at the beach, that 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 is profoundly impacting for everyone. Yeah. And I think um the kids never complained about going there. It was me that was like, well, shouldn't we be doing something more enriching or exciting? But believe me, just, uh, you know, riding your bikes in your pajamas, uh, you know, around the street was fun enough. Simple yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that you talk about the sort of reality. And and one of the things that comes up a lot is the lawn and the lawn, the lawn was really funny. And it, and you, you just brought it out in spots where I wasn't expecting it. I was just laughing. Um, but sort of just the reality of kids is that, you know, your husband wants to have a nice lawn and you had a whole section in there about, you know, ways, it was like ways, ways to ruin the lawn. I don't even know if I wrote it down. Um, yeah. You said if if you have a beautiful green lawn that you would like to destroy, I have some <laughs> ideas for you. <laughs> Uh, but this sort of reality that, you know, you hit on the reality, which is that when you have downtime and when you fill your life with nothing and, and, and take things out, there's a lot of sibling bickering and they ruin the lawn and, you know, you're having to take them on your errands. So I love that you touch on the reality, the tech battleground, all of these types of things. Uh, but you know, is it worth it? Are all of those battles are they worth it? I think that's one of the things when people like if I when I talk about the book and people say, well, how did you do it? You know, they're envisioning some sort of perfect world where I somehow created this world where the children played happily on their own. Like all I did was set out a puzzle and they worked silently and happily for 90 minutes. And then they, you know, marched into the kitchen and politely asked for vegetables for lunch. I mean, you know, of course, it, it was nothing like that. 
And so I think that like, I, I talk a lot in the book or about lowering your expectations, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you're going to have a lot of free time and kids underfoot all the time, you cannot expect to have a clean house or a perfect lawn or, you know, the TV is going to be on a certain amount of time each day and the kids are going to fight way more than you think they should be fighting. It's just, <laughs> but, but, if you can, but if you can understand that that's normal, instead of thinking that that's a sign of failure, I think that's the, the mm. problem. Think like, oh, well, they shouldn't be bickering or I, I should have, it should have been easy for me to put a balanced meal on the table tonight. After all, I'm mm. quote unquote home all day. You know, what was I actually doing that I forgot to defrost the chicken? But, but it's, things are really hard. And I think especially when you choose to pay attention to people. So if I decide, you know, they're really fighting or we're stuck inside, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and we're going to play a board game. Or I'm going to stop what mm -hmm. I'm doing and, uh, you know, do whatever, try to mitigate the situation. Or like you say, you have to bring them on errands. I mean, that is one of the most exhausting things of motherhood I found. <laughs> well, we, okay. We were mothers, you and I were mothers before you could, um, you could get groceries delivered. So yeah, you know, born in the wrong era here. I remember yep. thinking, what if I could just drive up and someone could bring it to my car? I mean, I remember thinking that for years and years, sometimes you just need one thing. And, and so one time, Pam, I took, um, I took like a mother's helper with me because we had three under three. I was like, I'm going to take this girl to help me at the grocery store because it's because I'm going to pay her a little bit. It's so um, chaotic. And I thought afterward, I, she's probably never going to have children. <laughs> I did it. I mean, it didn't even help. It was just such a mess. So, you know, errands, um, errands are tricky, but then, you know, you talked about that they can be sometimes some of the fun things that we do together and we can see it as that. And, and I like what you say about your expectations. It's about how you look at it. You know, it's about giving yourself grace, um, for the day to day. Yeah, I did try to, knowing that I would have to do errands, knowing that they would be bickering, I really just tried to lower my expectations. And I mean that in a good way. Like, again, if I'm taking the pressure off, I need to take it off myself too. And, um, and then, and obviously, you know, bribery plays into it. Listen, if we do these errands, then we'll get a donut at Dunkin' on the way home or, yeah. you know, whatever the, the thing is that you're going to do. So, um, and that would help. Uh, and you know, but there's that long period where it's not so much now, like you say, cause we get everything delivered, but right, no, right. nothing, there was no Amazon. People nothing. are going to talk about, they're going to talk about the, the, what was it? The 2000, you're like the 1950s summer. We'll talk about like the 2000s, the 2010s. Yeah. I don't know when you had to actually go in the grocery store with all your kids and they're all Absolutely. screaming and fighting and, and yeah. Or they're yeah. running up and get out of the cart then they're running up and down the aisle <laughs> yeah, like we had a rules so it was like you have to hold on to the cart you have to hold my leg you yes. <laughs> just I remember one time jack just he was out of the cart and he must have been crankier i don't know he literally laid down in the checkout <laughs> on the supermarket floor and i was like i don't even want to know what nasty things have been <laughs> on. laid down just randomly shouted out everything that was red so <laughs> balloon book like it was so random and to me i i mean i just love him and thought it was hilarious but i could just feel the gazes of people <laughs> thinking like that poor woman 
what is happening with her child. <laughs> yes. So this is one for the history books, Pam, because people don't have to do this anymore. They can have it delivered or brought yeah. to their car. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I love this part that you wrote in your book. You say, it can be lonely and frustrating to be home all day or to cut back on your own goals to be with your children, but everything has a cost. The more valuable things are, the more they cost. Spending time with your children costs a tremendous amount. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's very encouraging because then you feel like it's normal, right? Mm-hmm. You feel Whoa. like this, this is tremendously difficult, but that's normal because they're worth a lot. Yeah. I think you had a um, a long time, I don't know, at some point I read one of your Instagram posts and you were saying like uh, something like, you know, I'm tired because this is hard. I'm not tired because there's something wrong with me. I'm tired because this is really hard and I'm giving it a hundred percent. I'm trying to leave it all on the field, yeah. you know? So, and I, I think that if we can just, like you say, give ourselves grace and go, yeah, this is really hard and it is tiring, but it's worth it and I'm choosing it. So I don't have to feel like somebody's making me do this. I want to be there for my kids and I want to stay up that extra half hour for listening to them or reading to them or whatever it is um, because I recognize that it's important and I'll never get this time again. And Mm -hmm. somewhere I'm somehow I'm making a deposit in the, in the bank of love. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And my growing all those about it pays dividends. But you, yeah. but you can't, you don't really know what they are. And that's the tricky part. You know, I was, this has sort of come up a lot, but it's like, we're, we're in this instant gratification society. And so you're, you expect for the reward to come then, or even if you're bored, one of the things that people talk about is, well, you can immediately turn to your phone or you can immediately turn on the television and you have this instant gratification. But if you, if you take 15 minutes and put in a little bit more effort, maybe you could be doing something else that would provide a, a lot more for your sense of well-being and your and your life. So you you write that in your book. Investing time and energy into my family will always pay dividends. I can hardly imagine mm. at the time. It's true, and I, I think that you know um, kids have instant gratification, and so do parents. And I think that's one of the hard things. You know, we, we get bored too. We get frustrated too, and we want to reach for the easy solution. So, uh, yeah, it, it is a constant challenge to choose the thing. But, but you, you make a good point, which if you could just invest a little bit more, you know what I mean? You just try something. You can make small adjustments that can really pay off. Yeah. And just by choosing that, uh, it, it leads to a way, way better gratification than the instant yeah. gratification. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what I love about your book, like I said at the very beginning, is it's so relatable. You know, even the sentence, the real reason for family vacations, not to relax, but to make <laughs> memories. You know, just this reminder of, you know, I just went on vacation and I came home and I feel like I need another vacation <laughs> so that I can, re- you know, refresh from that vacation. That was so exhausting. In fact, Pam, I had this... Um, when our kids were young, my husband traveled a whole lot for work. And so my in-laws were camping and, and I thought, well, you know, summer is so short. We had, you know, three under three, I, you know, and I'm like, I want to take my kids. And, and there was these cabins that were about a mile away. Um, and I'm, I'm taking them. I took them by myself and I, and I loaded them up and I loaded up all the things and I loaded the car and I, and I drove there and, and we're in this cabin and, um, 
you know, and I'm setting up these bunk beds and it's just kind of chaotic. And then in the middle of the night, the youngest one got croup. Um, so, so we're in these cabins. We're sort of a mile away from my in-laws. I'm by myself. He's got this croup cough. He's six months. You know, I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old or two-year-old and one. I don't know. So to call my in-laws, one of them had to come stay in the cabin. And I spent the entire night with the baby in the camp shower just pressing the button and it would be hot water and it would steam. And then when the sun came up, I packed everyone up and went home, you know? And so, you know, and so it's, but you know what? I tell you what, I'm still so glad I did it. You know, we spent that day with the family. We went to the cabin. It increased my muscles of what I think I'm capable of for the next time. You know, I couldn't really get much worse than that. And uh, I mean, it could, but you know, that was sort of the one extreme of it didn't go at all how I had planned, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad I did it, but it was not relaxing. No, it's not relaxing. And, you know, it's good to just not expect it to be relaxing. Yeah. Relaxing is later. Relaxing is for 10 years from now. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So Pam, um, you know, I had written, um, I had put in all these little spots here that were so funny. I was hoping that, I was hoping the boys would get bored enough this summer to actually read. They didn't. <laughs> you know, just these little things in there. Taking other people's trash is a major suburban sport. If it doesn't sound fun to you, then you haven't tried it. You know, so um, I, I just really... Um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the book. Even the subtitles, Moment of Personal Clarity, I'm a Slob. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just great. It's a fantastic book. So Pam, if people are interested in buying Why Can't We Just Play, um, what I did when I realized my kids were way too busy, where should they go? It's on Amazon. It's on, yeah, it's anywhere books are sold. Most people I know get their books on Amazon. You can go to the uh, publisher's website, which is familius.com. Now familius, until August 1st, I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but until August 1st, familius is running a a discount. You get 40% off the book with the code, with the code play uh, at checkout. Okay, I'll make sure it goes up before August 1st then. That's fantastic. And then if people are interested in in this Zoom, which I know you don't have it fully baked yet, but if they're interested in this Zoom book club, you know, should they follow you on Instagram? Do you have a newsletter? Yeah, follow me on Instagram, Pam Lobley on Instagram. And you can message me. I already have a couple people that have done so, so I'll make a little list. And when I get a few, I'll set it up. Um, Yeah, and the book is on, I mean, it's on Kindle too. It's on Kindle. It's on audio book and, you know. And then you so, have a website, www.pamlobley. I'm going to be honest. It's not the most updated website. Uh, <laughs> right. Talk it up to uh, too many things going on right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can look at my website, but it's not really, uh, it needs to be improved. <laughs> okay. So the best, ways, the best place to find you is on Instagram. And I can share yeah. that information too when it comes out because uh, I think it, um, I think it's timely. Like you said, the loneliness and isolation has just gotten worse. Um, and the mom guilt. I think that because we have so many choices these days, like you're constantly saying no to something because mm-hmm. there's just so much to do. And then every time you say no, you feel guilty. It's yeah. crazy. So yeah, it's anyway, hard. Mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah, people can come and connect and commiserate yeah. and, and find encouragement because, you know, all of these emotions that you felt, you talked about feeling competitive. You talked about feeling nervous, feeling panicked. All of these things came out. But but the tone of the book is not 
is, is very uplifting, which is that, you know, I felt all of these things, but it's okay. And, yes. and it was worth it. And, and it's normal. And it's normal. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I uh, laugh. About it. I mean, this yeah. is the thing that like, you can ex- accept lower your expectations and accept that a certain amount of craziness is just baked in. Then let's just laugh about it. My gosh, life is so short. We're so lucky to have kids. Mm-hmm. We're so lucky to have a, a family to love and to help grow up. And I mean, you know, so, so even though there's the hard times, keeping that perspective and being able to laugh uh, is just, yeah. for me anyway, it's everything. Yeah. And your book does such a great job of modeling that. So I think, I mean, I think it's one every mom should read. It is fantastic. Oh, It'd make you. a great gift. I just uh, enjoyed it so much. So um, Pam, we always end our podcast with a favorite um, childhood memory of oh, yours yeah. uh, that's outside. Okay, so when I was growing up, so I was growing up a long time ago in the 70s, and um, that was super free range. So we lived in this neighborhood where, I mean, I got to tell you, we were allowed to do everything. You know, we just rode bikes and ran around. But I had a next door neighbor. Um, she'd gotten this bunny. I don't know if she kind of captured it from the neighborhood or if she got it from a pet store. I'm unclear. It was all white, so it seems like it must have been a purchase somehow, like an all-white bunny. Anyway, her mom refused to let her have it in the house. Mom was like, we're not having a bunny in the cage in the house. So she built a cage for it in the backyard. Well, duh, the bunny got out of that cage all the time because, you know, they can dig. And the cage was like, you know, she was like 12. She built this cage. It was hardly like a master of engineering. (laughs) So anyway, there was like a summer when all we did was chase that stupid bunny all over the neighborhood. (laughs) She would come over to our house and be, uh, the bunny's name was Boo Bun. Boo Bun is out. Gotta go get Boo Bun. And then we would just, and you know, it was so, it was pointless because you're just going to catch the thing or lure him back in with lettuce and then he's going to run away again. But it gave our days like this really fun framework of chasing the bunny, getting the bunny and petting the bunny. And I don't know, it was just one of those funny childhood things that made no sense, but was just, a, it's a, it was a rich experience. Wow. And stuck with you for decades. With you know, and probably just one of those things that the mom probably felt guilty that she wouldn't let the bunny inside and, yeah. and really wasn't wasn't, um, you know, these days it's like we would probably buy the best touch and we would help them make it and to just yeah, kind of let it be. And right. It's the, and- cha- the chaos led to the memories. Yes. Yeah. You know what? It was that laissez-faire parenting. It's like, well, I'm not, listen, if you want to build a cage, build a cage, but the bunny's not coming in the house. I'll buy you some lettuce for the bunny. That's about the extent. <laughs> what we're doing and uh but you know what it worked mm-hmm. so, yeah that's awesome well Pam thank you thank you so much thank you thank you for a wonderful a wonderful book um and thank you for spending this hour with us and actually um I wanted to say that my name is Virginia because you had an aunt Virginia my sister is Your Virginia sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and she never wanted to be called Ginny everybody okay. tried for a nickname, Ginny, Gigi, and, yeah. um, and this is another child. She would look at them with her little face and say, my name is Virginia, D-I-R-G-I-I-A. <laughs> I love that. So she, it was fun to see that in there. Almost everyone fun. I talk to, they say, oh, that was my grandma's name or my aunt's name. Or It's a beautiful name. Anyway, so um, I thought that was a fun little thing. I'd written that down. So, yeah, thank you, Pam. And, and I'll be looking Very forward welcome. to the to the Zoom book club. And um, just hope everyone goes and grabs a copy of your book and really um, 
get so much out of it, just like how I did. So thank you. Thank you. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.